Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. Right now, you're about to listen to a message from our current series. Thanks for tuning in today. Open your Bibles, if you would, to John, John's Gospel. This morning, we're going to begin in John, and then we're going to end up in Mark, and, and see how that John... That what the writings we read here in the book of John are tied together with what we're going to read in the book of Mark. Of course, you know we've been doing, have done a series on spiritual authority. There's so much that on that subject, but I wanted to kind of tie that subject into what we're going to be sharing with this morning and be continuing to share with you. And I hope every one of you invites someone next week to church to hear um, Dr. Barclay. I'm sure that he will come with an inspired message from the Word of God. And everyone say amen to that. In John's Gospel, the 15th chapter, we're going to begin there. And uh, so what John says here ties in with what we're going to read in Mark 4. John 15, verse 1. This is the Amplified. It says, I am, Jesus speaking, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. One translation says, my Father is the farmer. And uh, any branch in me that does not bear fruit or that stops bearing fruit, he cuts away, trims off, and takes away. And he cleanses and repeatedly prunes every branch that continues to bear fruit to make it bear more and richer and more excellent fruit. Now, again, i got to stay on course here, but when you read the Scriptures, you kind of got to find out who Jesus is talking to here uh, in John, the 15th chapter. Remember, he hasn't died on the cross yet, right? So he's really addressing his people, the Jews, the family, the Jews. And, um, in fact, uh, he had... He said at one point that he was going to cut, uh, cut the tree up from the stump, meaning uh, though he wanted to bring redemption, uh, you know, uh, or show himself as God to his people, they didn't receive it, you know, that story. And so he says, any, 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 any branch in me that doesn't bear fruit, I'll cut off. And, of course, we know that he, he cut Israel off for a season, but he's going to join himself. He's going to graft, according to the book of Romans, he's going to graft Israel back into the original uh, to the original stump. Can I have an amen? He's going to do that because he promised he would do it to Abraham. Let's go on. So I just want to identify that. He says, uh, any branch of me that does not bear fruit, that stops bearing fruit, he cuts away, trims off, takes away, and he cleanses and repeatedly prunes every branch that continu- continues to bear fruit to make it bear more richer and more excellent fruit. And we know the fruit that he's talking about from the New Testament, Galatians 5.22. You can write that down and read it for yourself. It's the nine fruit of the Spirit or the nine attributes or characteristics of God himself. Uh, verse 3. Now you, he said to his disciples, he says, you are cleansed and pruned already because of the word which I've given you, the teachings I've discussed with you. Dwell in me and I will dwell in you. Live in me and I will live in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit of itself without abiding in or being uh, vitally united to the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me or you remain vitally united to me. That's what he's saying there. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever lives in me and I in him bears much abundant fruit. However, apart from me or cut off from vital union with me, the Bible says you can do, or apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from being connected to the vine, you cannot succeed in life. You cannot bear the image of God in your life. If you agree with me, say amen to that. That's what Jesus is talking about. Verse 8, now, when you bear or produce much fruit, 
My Father is honored and glorified. Now, here it is. And you show and prove yourselves to be true followers of mine. That's exactly what Christianity is supposed to be. It's supposed to tell, uh, show to the world or prove to the world that Jesus Christ is Savior. He's a healer. He's the deliverer. He's our righteousness, peace, and joy. Can I have an amen? That's, that's what God wanted out of us to, uh, to be glorified in our thoughts, in our words, and in our deeds. Amen. As a Christian, God has given you the legal, listen to this, the legal right to his divine authority, which we've been talking about. Spiritual authority, listen, to keep the enemies of life from, from stealing what God designed you to be, what he designed you to do, and what he designed you to have. How many believe that God wants you abundantly blessed in your life in every area? But the spiritual aspect of your life has to be first. It has to be. And uh, the foundation of your life has to be Jesus Christ first and foremost. And the degree of your authority will be determined by two things. Number one, your relationship with God. And number two, your obedience to the spiritual standard that he set in his word. So therefore, if you don't know the world, then you have no spiritual standard there, uh, whereby you can uh, walk out in your life. That's how important the Word of God is for your life. Amen. Adam, listen to this, his position of authority was founded and preserved in the, Bible says, in the midst or the center of the garden. And that was what we call the tree of life. Two trees in the center of the garden. Um, I didn't touch on this, well, maybe I did uh, last week. Two trees in the garden, the tree of life, which, which we're going to see what that represented in a moment, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil represented two things, uh, ownership and the tithe. Ownership, how many believe that God owns everything that you have? You own nothing. You don't own anything. You don't own your life. You don't own anything, nothing. You're, God just blessed you and then held you responsible to be steward over the things that he gave you, first and foremost, your spiritual life. Steward over your spiritual life, first and foremost. And so his life was found in the, in the center of the garden at the tree of life. The tree of life represented God's supernatural presence, his supernatural power, his supernatural provision, and his supernatural protection. That was at the center of the garden. Amen. Now, how do we know that? Because Solomon actually wrote about it, and I'll read it here in Proverbs 3. Here's what he said. The man who knows right from wrong and has good judgment and common sense is happier than the man who is immensely rich. He goes on. For such wisdom, talk about the God kind of wisdom, for such wisdom is far more valuable than precious jewels. Nothing else can compares with it. Wisdom of the God kind gives, watch it, long and good life. There's people that have long life, but it's not good. I don't know about you. I don't want to live a long, tormented life. I want to live a long, blessed life. So he promises, here's it. Here's, here's, what, here's what was at the center of God's or Adam's relationship with God. A long, good life, riches, honor, pleasure, peace. Then he goes on to see wisdom is what? A tree of life. There it is. God's wisdom is a tree of life to those who eat her fruit. Happy is the man who keeps on eating it. Oh, wow. In Proverbs 20, Solomon wrote, Now the spirit of man, that factor in human personality which proceeds immediately from God, is the lamp of the Lord. Searching all the innermost parts, it says the parts of the belly, loving, and then he goes on and says, loving kindness, 
and mercy, truth, and faithfulness preserve the king or preserves the one who's in leadership, who God anointed you to be in leadership. Take the lead in fulfilling his will, all right? And his throne is upheld by the people's loyalty. The message Bible makes it a little more clear. It says this, God is in charge of human life, watching and examining us inside and out. Love and truth form a good leader. Sound leadership is founded on loving integrity. And integrity is simply being honest and having strong moral principles or uprightness in your life. That's what it is. And this is what we want as Christians. Now you can turn to Mark, the fourth chapter. Mark, the fourth chapter. And we're going to begin there. Now Jesus, here in Mark 4, borrowed a boat from a guy by the name of Peter. Peter was in the fishing business, and he borrowed his boat, and, and, and the, the crowd was so massive that he had to get into a boat and was pushed out into the sea away so that the waters would carry his voice and magnify it to the people. That's why he went out on the boat. And, um, uh, and the Bible says he taught a parable. What is a parable? A parable is simply a natural story to reveal a spiritual principle, a natural story to teach a spiritual truth. That's what a parable, and Jesus taught by parables, parables, and we'll find out why in a moment. But before we read verse 1, I want to read verse 26 through 32, where Jesus provides an illustration of how, listen, of how the kingdom of God operates and how this parable of the sower, which we're going to read, is tied to it. Verse 26, this is the Living Bible. Now, here is another illustrating uh, story, illustrating what the kingdom of God is like. What's it like? A farmer sowed his field and went away, and as the days went by, the seeds grew and grew without his help. Number one, I thought this was a powerful statement. He said the seed grew without the farmer's help. So what does that mean? You don't have to worry about the seed. The seed will do its part. It will grow. I said it'll grow. Amen. That, that is good news. However, listen, as you will see from the word, the ground, listen, was incapable of producing a harvest without the farmer's help. The seed would do its job, but the ground needed help. I want you to hold on to these. The seed will do its job, but the ground needed help. And the ground needed help from the farmer. Amen. Say, I'm a farmer. Yeah, you are. Verse 28, for the seed made the seeds grow. Uh, the soil made the seeds grow. Listen, if you're expecting a harvest of God's kingdom, you're going to have to get the seed out of the bag and into the ground. The Bible is the seed bag. This is the seed bag which God gave you everything that you'd ever need in life. If you'll read the book of Genesis, the first chapter, you see that God aboundingly overflowing Adam with blessings of every kind of tree, every kind of seed-bearing herb, everything that he would need in life. There was even gold in the Garden of Eden. There were four rivers that went out so he would never be lack moisture. Everything he needed, God provided. There's no such thing as shortages in this earth. Man creates shortages. His greed creates shortages. But God provided everything. Listen, everything for the earth to produce forever. Forever. Adam was to live forever in the nature of God. But we know he transgressed. And then he, it's kind of interesting when you read the Genesis, you find out that man actually lived. The oldest man that lived after the fall was Methuselah, Methuselah 969 years old. I mean, that's a long time. And God, out of the depths of his love and mercy, shortened it to 120. 
Isn't that that something? 120. But I just want you to know how long, man was supposed to live forever, but when sin began to take its toll on man, man, man's life began to shorten from there on until God did set the time to be 120 years. Amen. If you're expecting a harvest of God's kingdom, you've got to get the seed out of the bag and into the ground. Amen. All the good promises of God will not profit your life until his word is put into the place that God designed to germinate and take root, and that's within your spirit. Say this out loud. God's word was given for my spirit. Amen. I wanted to read these scriptures, but there's so many. But write this down if you want, if you take notes. Proverbs is the sixth chapter. <coughs> Proverbs 6. Verse 16 through 19, it literally says in the Amplified that God's, or that your heart is the manufacturing center that will produce anything that you sow into it. Amen. That's, I mean, that's good news if you're sowing good seed. Not so good news if you're not. And so, Mark the fourth chapter, verse 28. For the soil made the seeds grow. First a leaf blade pushed through. And later the wheat heads formed, and finally the grain ripened. And then the farmer came at once with his sickle and harvested it. And Jesus asked, how, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? He said, he, what, what, can I, what story can I tell to explain to these earthlings how the kingdom of God operates? What story can I use? All right, verse 31. It is like a tiny mustard seed. Though this is one of the smallest of seeds, yet it grows. Say it grows. It just doesn't grow, but it grows to become one of the largest of plants with long branches where birds can build their nest and be sheltered. Amen. So obviously the parable of the sower has everything to do with the kingdom of God. But I love what he says here. He says this. The kingdom of God is like you planting a mustard seed. The mustard seed was known as the smallest seed that God gave man. It was so tiny that it looked like nothing. But it was put into the place where God called it to be put into the ground. And you leave it there and it germinates and receives the water it's supposed to get, the sunlight it's supposed to get. That thing will grow up and impact many lives. He says, that's the way it is with you. When you sow the word of God in your life, it looks so tiny compared to the problems in your life. But if you let it grow, it will conquer those problems. Hallelujah. If you let it grow, it will conquer those things in your life that you think can't be conquered. Where is the kingdom of God, you ask? Well, Jesus answered that in Luke, the 17th chapter. He says, one day the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God begin? And Jesus replied, the kingdom of God isn't ushered in with visible signs. You won't be able to say it has begun over this place or, or there it, it's in that part of the country. He says, for the kingdom of God is within you. Say this out loud. The kingdom of God is within me. If you're born again today, that's where the kingdom, the kingdom of God isn't out there. Remember Jesus talked about that? The kingdom of God isn't somewhere where you have to send someone up in space to get it, nor is it in deep in the ocean where you have to send somebody down to get it. The kingdom of God is within you if you're born again. When you receive Christ, his kingdom is within you. Hallelujah. The Catholic Church may think the kingdom is in Rome. Now, don't get offended. The Dutch Reform may think the kingdom of God is in Iowa. <laughs> Just a joke. 
But Jesus said, the kingdom is within you. And listen to this. So like any of all the seeds God provided us for a blessed and prosperous lives, you can experience the glory of God's kingdom externally until you place his seed internally. The word of God, if you get frustrated sometimes because your life's not changing, then you got to stop and think, how, where is the word in relationship to your life? That is so important that you understand that. The Bible says that this is the victory that overcomes the world. What's the next phrase? Even our faith. Say even our faith. Or you can say it this way. This is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. And the Bible says in Romans 10, 70, that's in 1 John 5, 4. In Romans, the 10th chapter, verse 17, says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if you're going to have a victorious life, you got to have faith. And if you're going to have to have, if you're going to, uh, if you're going to have to have faith to overcome, then you're going to have to have the word of God inside of you because faith comes by hearing, not having heard. So this is important for your life. Everybody say amen to that. Now, Jesus confirms this thing about the seed of God's word or the kingdom of God in you. He confirmed it to a man by the name of Nicodemus. In John the third uh, chapter, here's what Jesus said to Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a religious man, but he didn't, have a, he didn't have a revelation of God in his heart. He wasn't born again. Neither could he be born again until Jesus raised from the dead, but he could believe in it and expect for that to happen, which it did. He said, Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Remember, he said, it's not out here. It's not over here. It's not over here. The kingdom of God is within you. So Jesus said to him, he was, Nicodemus was seeking, but he just didn't understand. He said, you must be born again. Nicodemus says, you mean I have to go back into my mother's womb? No, Jesus said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. Amen. You can tell, usually you can tell uh, um, the, uh, from the kids who the parents are because the kids look like their parents. Amen. And so why, that's the law of Genesis. We're to look like God on the inside. The kingdom of God is not out here. The kingdom of God is within you. And Jesus said, except you be born again, you cannot see. You, the word see is where we get the English word optima. It's the word optimai. It, it, literally means to see. it literally means to see. When you get born again, listen to this, you, God gives you 20-20 vision spiritually. For the first time, lift your hands and agree. The first time when you got saved, you were able to understand the word of God in some fashion. In some fashion. Why? Because that's the gift the Bible calls it revelation knowledge. That's the gift from God to be able to see what he's saying. If you get anything from God today, from the word of God, that is a gift from God to give you the ability to understand things you could never understand without the spirit of life inside of you. Isn't that awesome? What a gift from God to be able to see things like, uh, like you never, never could before. You were blinded. Uh, by the, by, by, well, here's what it says. Second Corinthians 4, 4. The God of this world has blinded the minds or the perception in the Greek of them that believe not. So until the seed of redemption uh, takes, uh, um, is sown and germinates and takes root in a sinner's heart, no matter how much he wants to understand and see the things of God, he can't. He can't see them. And Jesus actually addresses this in the book of Mark. We're only going to go this far this morning, and then we'll close. Mark, the fourth chapter, verse 1. Let's go. That was my introduction. I'm only kidding you. Again, Jesus began to teach beside the lake. 
And a very great crowd, crowd gathered, um, gathered about him so that he got into a ship in order to sit on the sea. And the whole crowd was out at the lakeside on the shore. And he taught them many things in parables. Now, I like the Amplified because it says, illustrations and comparisons put, aside, uh, put beside truths to explain them. So he used natural stories to teach a spiritual truth. A spiritual truth, Jesus said, that would make you free. That was a good place to say amen. That was a good place to say amen like you really believe it. Oh, that felt good. Hallelujah. So what is beautiful is to see how Jesus was willing to stoop to man's intellect to provide the spiritual information that would, he could understand so that his life could be changed. Isn't that awesome? God stooped to man's intellect to communicate with man with natural examples to reveal a spiritual truth. And in this case, it was farming. Farming was actually, that, that was the, the livelihood of Israel was farming. So they understood when he talked in this, in this language. Verse 3, Jesus said, give attention to this. Behold, a sower or a farmer went out to sow. Now, in those days, I didn't bring one out. I had a bag in my, um, I forgot to bring it out of the office. In, in those days, they, the farmer, he didn't, have a cum, uh, he didn't have a planter. What he had is a bag. It was like made out of burlap. And he would fill that bag up with seed, and then he would head out in the field. And, uh, of course, we, we farm. Anybody, raise your hand if you farmed. I loved farming. I, it was an amazing thing, especially in the springtime. The smell of spring was just so exciting. And the smell of fall is really exciting because it's harvest time. Right, Rod? I love it. And, uh, and the springtime was fun because you got to get out there. And, of course, in those days, we plowed. We tried to plow late in the fall, but a lot of times we couldn't get it done because, you know, we plowed with a, I mean, we went to a three-bottom plow, and that was like holla holla. I mean, that was big time. We had a two-row picker. Now they got like, how many rows of pickers do they have today? I mean, they're, yeah, they take a, they pick an acre at a time just about. I mean, it's just amazing. Now we just said, you know, we farmed with a two-row picker. And the day, Rod, that we got, oh, I'm so excited. The day that, that the corn sheller came out. So you could actually hook up a corn sheller to the back of your tractor, and you wouldn't have to fill those stupid bins with whole, whole corn. You guys don't even know what I'm talking about. Scooping those, those ears of corn with a scoop shovel, and that would jerk. And, I mean, it just tore your body up. Yeah. You kids, you're just too soft today. We... <laughs> soft. Milk those cows. Dumb cows. Flies would be flying, and they'd lay all night with their, with their tails in the gutter. So they were full of wonderful manure, and they'd slap you in the side of the face. You always could tell the city kids from the farm kids. It was our cologne. <laughs> anyway. Farming. I loved it. Praise God. So... They walked along and they spread their seed. That's how they, they reached in the bag and they just throw it, of course. And here in this story, we'll find out where the seed landed. Let's move. And as he was sowing, verse 4, some seed fell along the path and the birds came up and ate it. Other seed of the same kind fell on the ground, full of rocks, where it had not much soil. And at once it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And when the sun came up, it was scorched. And because it had not taken root, it withered away. 
Verse 7, other seed of the same kind fell among the thorns, and the thistles grew and pressed together, and utterly choked and suffocated, and I put in parentheses, suffocated the harvest that should have been. Okay. And it, the ground, yielded no grain. And other seed of the same kind fell into good, well-adapted soil and brought forth grain, growing up and increasing, and yielded up to 30 times as much and 60 times as much and even 100 times as much that had been sown. Now he who has ears to hear, let him be hearing and let him consider and comprehend. Isn't it amazing how good God is? You can just see the overbounding goodness of God that he would give you the ability to sow a seed into the ground, and it reap 30, 60, and up to 100 times as much. At least we have one that's excited here. Rod, is that exciting or what? 100-fold. Now, they, you know, farmers can stretch the truth sometimes, you know. How many bushel did you get? Yeah, I got 47. I got 49, because you always want to beat your neighbor. <laughs> but what a blessing when that happens. When you get a hundredfold return instead of a 30, you're thankful for the 30, but you can get up to 100, all depending on how well of a steward that farmer is. Because remember, the seed will do its part, but the ground needs help. That's why they go out. Now, today they spray. They, we never sprayed when we were farmers in the 60s. We never sprayed. Um, spraying was just coming out at that time, but we used manure chicken manure, hog manure, calf manure. Turkey manure, duck manure. I mean, we just, I mean, we had manure. And my daddy always said that is the smell of money. Amen. And uh, again, you kids can't relate. I'm just, I'm as I go on. You're just, you're just boring. I mean, I'm just boring you. But I loved farming. The smell, everything about the farm smelled so awesome. Even the manure, because it was money. Now, mind you, I never got any money. You kids are so spoiled today. We worked from 5 in the morning till at least 8 at night, and I got 2 bucks a week. Well, pastor, $2 a week was like 100 No, it was not. It was not. I'm not that old. I'm not as old as Raleigh. It is not. <laughs> Amen. We were just thankful to have food on the table. Can I have an amen? Let's go on. So God is overbounding in blessings. However, listen, in all four of these examples of soil, it was the environment in which the seed was scattered. Listen, it was the environment in which the seed was scattered that determined the outcome. The environment. Every, it was the same soil. It was the same soil. But in all four cases, different environment. And so this is what we're going to be learning about this as we go along. Amen. So, how does this relate to the believer? Well, in every way. Because the Apostle Paul, it said in Corinthians, here's what he said, amplified, you are God's garden and vineyard and field under cultivation. I just wish I could go into, you know, when, when God put Adam in the garden, the first piece of real estate that he was to steward was his own heart. That's the first piece of real estate was right here. This garden. This is your garden. And whatever you allow into the garden, it will grow. Now, you know you have an enemy because the enemy has a great and subtle way of slithering his way into the center of your thought life. And if you keep meditating on 
bad seed, that seed will take root. God doesn't want you, God doesn't want you guys to watch pornography because he's square and you don't understand the sexual side of life. No, he's the one that created it. But he knows that that perversion will find a place in your, in your life and it will literally create a harvest of a curse instead of a blessing in your life. Now listen, life is hard enough without sowing the curse into our lives. I'm just saying, you know, all the things that we go on today, we think that God doesn't want us to have this or that. Well, you know, I, 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 I just like a beer every once in a while. There's nothing wrong with it. And then I get, you know, whatever. I, I think beer tastes like puke. I mean, I just, um, it's just not that great a thing. But what do you want to do in your life to glorify God? Is it live on the edge of the world or just try your best to stay in the center of his, of his word? Can I have an amen? I'm not, I'm not condemning anybody. I'm just, just it's thought-provoking. It's thought-provoking. I'd rather have chocolate milk. <laughs> Hallelujah. You are God's garden and vineyard and field under cultivation. Uh, in in uh, cultivation. And in the case of the Corinth believers, they weren't reaping a harvest of God's character and conduct. And the Bible tells us why. Let me read this real quick. We're winding down. Praise God, I have to. Verse 1 through 3 of, of, sec, of 2 Corinthians um, or 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1 through 3, it says this, Brethren, I could not talk to you as to spiritual men. This is writing to the believers. Okay, watch this. But as to non-spiritual, watch this, men of the flesh in whom the carnal nature predominates. Here you are saved, but there's no evidence of salvation in your life. He's just saying you're, you are living like the heathen. <clears throat> Let's go on. As to mere infants in the new life in Christ, unable to talk yet. Now, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not yet strong enough to be ready for it. But even yet, you are not strong enough to be ready for it. For you are still, here it is, unspiritual, having the nature of the flesh, under the control of ordinary impulses. For as long as there is envying, jealousy, wrangling, and factions among you, are you not unspiritual and of the flesh, behaving yourselves after a human standard like mere unchanged men? Paul was so frustrated because he had wrote two letters to the church at Corinth hoping they would embrace what he had been teaching them. But he says, right off the bat, he says, listen, I wanted to give you the deeper things of God, but you're not able to handle them because you're carnal, you're uh, uh, full of jealousy and strife and full of factions. He says, I, can't, I, couldn't, I couldn't give you what God wanted you to have. God wants you to grow up spiritually in your life. He really does. Verse 9. You are God's field. You are God's building. Now, because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Watch this. Now, others are building on it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful, for no one can lay any foundation other than that, the one we already uh, have, and that is Jesus Christ. Amen. So, Paul was saying here, because Paul's day was no different than this day. All sorts of of things are being taught. The Bible calls them in Ephesians 4, verse 12, verse 14, winds of doctrine. Winds of doctrine. They're being blown today as much as they were blown years ago, uh, 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 2,000 years ago. Winds of doctrine. The apostle Paul, he's addressing, he's addressing the church here. He says, you must be careful who, listen, who you allow to build on the foundation that I've laid. Remember he told the church at Galatian? He says, if, if anybody preaches anything contrary to what I've given you, let him be cursed. So he's very serious because he knew, he knew that 
the, the, he knew the devastation. He knew that the church could literally die if the gospel wasn't preserved. And that's why it's, I, 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 I just respect most of you. I mean, I respect all of you. But mo, there's so many of you that have been with us for years, many, many years. And I so have such a respect for you because there's only 200 churches in Sioux Falls and one, one coming up every month. But you have learned, you have learned that, praise God, we're not going to give you anything but the truth of God's word. We're not going to blow you in this direction. We're not going to blow you over here. We're going to keep you right on track of the word of God. Hallelujah. So you can have a blessed life. Can give God praise for that. I'm getting too old to change, you know, to change uh, directions. And I mean, I mean that in the sense of, you know, I, I, I don't, I'm not looking for anything new. There's nothing new. So, uh, uh, was Solomon, no, um, yeah, Solomon, or there's nothing new under the sun. So we have to stick with what God has taught us from his word. Can I have an amen? Say this, say this out loud. I am God's garden. I am God's garden. And his will yes. is that I produce, that I produce. His, character his character in my life. Amen. Praise the Lord. One more scripture and we'll go. Verse 10 through 13. We'll just finish up here. As soon as he was alone, those who were around him with the 12 apostles began to ask him about the parables. Now he said to them, that's his disciples, to you has, to you has been entrusted the mystery. The word mystery means not spoken. So it means not spoken. Okay, it's, like, it's, like, it's like this. It's like this. I want to show it. I'm gonna, I'd like to share a secret with you, but I can't because you won't understand it. All right, so now, yeah, it's the hidden, right? It's the hidden things of God. So he says, now to you has been entrusted the mystery of the kingdom of God. That is, I love this, the secret counsels of God which are hidden from the ungodly. But for those outside of our circle, everything becomes a parable in order that they may indeed look and look, but not see and perceive. And, and, and they may hear and hear, but not grasp and comprehend. And lest happily they should turn again, and, and it, their willful rejection of the truth, should be forgiven them. That's why. What a gift from God this morning. If you heard something from the Spirit that you captured, you got a hold of it. I see that, Lord. What a gift from God. Can you give God praise if you saw something from God this morning that you hadn't seen before? That's a gift from heaven. Amen. I said amen. That's why when you come to church... You have to prepare yourself. You prepare yourself through praise. You prepare yourself through worship. You prepare yourself by just coming to the altar and showing great re respect and reverence for God. It, 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 you prepare yourself uh, through examining your heart, not examining your neighbor. But examine your own heart and judging the things, the attitudes, the words, the, the actions of your life for this past week and say, God, I am so sorry that I've disappointed you. Please forgive me. I ask you to cleanse me. I ask you to cleanse me today that I might be prepared to receive your word. Because that is our prayer every week, that you never leave here without getting something good from God. Can I have an amen? He goes on and says this. And he said to them, do you not discern and understand this parable? How is it then possible that you will discern and understand all parables? Every parable, every parable that Jesus taught had a spiritual significance to, to better your life, to make your, your spiritual life more of greater quality, to make, to make your marriage of greater quality, to raise your children with greater quality. Can I have an amen? So everything about every parable. 
And he says, if you don't understand that, if you don't capture the meaning of this parable, then you're, you're going to be cheated from all the blessings that come from the other parables that I'm teaching you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. So this morning I want to close with, um, with praying for you. Proverbs, I'll just read this last verse. It's so good. Proverbs 4, verse 20 says, My child, that's you, my child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. This is, this is, this is Solomon talking to his son. And isn't it true, young kids, I mean, it's true whether you like to hear it or not. When mom and dad tell you something, they're only trying to correct you because they made that mistake. They don't want you to suffer the same consequences they did. Okay? That's why. It's not, not that we know it all. No, we've just been through it all. And we would just love our offspring to avoid the sufferings of our mistakes. Seriously. My child, please pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. For they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. So guard your heart above all else. Watch this. For it determines the course of your life. And it really does. It determines the course of your life. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning services at 10 o'clock. We also have what we call School of the Bible on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.